Everybody was making a podcast. Yeah, cha Those takes were fast as lightning. Wah! It was a little bit frightening. Because we could get canceled. Uh, sorry, skadoosh. You know, is it too late to back out of this episode? <laughs> After the amount of work it was to organize, yes. We committed to this a month in advance. I... That I'll give I'll give it to you. That took me by surprise. That's not what I thought you were gonna do. What did you think I was gonna do? Good lord. I thought well, because I thought it was gonna be like well not that not that that was irrelevant to what we what we what we watched in preparation for this, but I thought that you were gonna like I, I swear you were gonna do something about like the inner peace like motif that was in this movie and I thought you were gonna do something like oh focus on your inner podcast or some bullshit like that like I thought you were just gonna take a direct quote from the movie like you always do but if if I did that I would have literally I would have hired a lawyer to really quick draft up a legal document and I would have given you clear like court permissed permission to come to my house cough directly in my face and then shoot me with a gun like, come on. I can't be that. This was sweaty, but at least it makes sense in the context of, like, the energy of what we're doing. Welcome to... Di- Speaking of which, we are five minutes in. Welcome to the Disney desk, everyone. Carter here. And Sydney. And welcome to September. Guess what? We have a guest mm. on the show. Hello. It's Tom. I was holding it in because that was such a good bit, and I was holding my laughter in. Um, yeah. because I also thought he was going to do the, like, the Oogway scene from Kung Fu Panda 1, like, right? this is the past, this is the present, the whatever, right. future. this is the podcast, is I the thought he was going to do something like that, and yeah. I was like, I, they haven't introduced me <laughs> yet, okay, we'll see, that we can't go into it yet, but. <laughs> can I just say, what a gentleman to sit there for five minutes right. and just, just politely wait for us to get our nonsense out. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, um, as we transition out of Carter Month, um, this was an idea Sydney presented that was really, really fun. I really liked this idea. And I believe we are calling it Friends of Disney Desk. We're calling it Disney Desk and Friends. Yes. Yes. Um, which I like to pretend is a fun allusion to Garfield and Friends, which is a show I watched a weird it amount, but I don't is. think we'd ever do on here. Um, yes. Welcome to Disney Desk and Friends Month. Believe it or not, there are other people who talk to Carter and I. It's just not the two mm-hmm. of us talking in a loop all of the time we know other people as well yeah but believe it or not we don't live in a bubble and um some of those people have been listening for like the duration of the time we have been in operation have known us for 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 various amounts of times are fans of the show and um we thought it would be fun to spend a month talking to them not only because we love them and we appreciate their support but because over time each of them has suggested here and there you should talk about this we want to talk about this let me know when you're going to talk about this in the show and you know what for this transitional month we're in between carter month and spooky season and beyond like what better time than now uh, than to actually have some of those people on. So for the month of September, we will be hosting all of our very good friends of the show to talk mm-hmm. about 
anything that they want to talk about. And boy, are we in for a treat today. Yes, um, as we introduced, um, a friend of the show, um, a co-host on the CastPod podcast that I also occasionally um, chime in on. It is Tom, ladies and gentlemen. Hello. Yes. I would like to point out that I have not, I'm not confirmed, according to Kevin, that I'm a CastPod member just yet, but my interview is in discussion with the board. Oh boy. Trustees. I don't, I, I don't get this bit. I really don't. I don't know why we're drinking. Hey, he committed to it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, you know. Look, if after you, Carter, the person who commits it a bit most is Kevin. Yeah, so. you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But um, yeah, we had a bunch of people sort of pitch us ideas, different topics, and this one that Tom proposed um, was a very exciting one because it gave us what I believe is our very first opportunity to do a DreamWorks movie. Right, but also Tom, yeah. like you know. A good handful of our listeners probably know who you are, but there's probably a lot more that don't. So, I mean, would you do you want to introduce yourself very briefly to our audience? Sure. Yeah. So, hi, my name is Tom. I'm a long, well, I guess I'm not a long time listener at Disney Desk. I was not there at the inception, but once you guys did your rebrand and went back in, I, I've made it my mission to go through every everything available, and I just caught up. Uh, like a month ago so all the and you know on patreon i love the show um but yeah you guys you're the only podcast i listen to really Whoa. i did not know that i don't really yeah i usually don't listen to podcasts i'm not a podcast kind of person like obviously cast pod i'm i listen to but like a lot of our friends have podcasts that you know sometimes i've been on them but you guys are the ones i regularly listen to um, but you guys inspired me to do my own content creation. I stream on Twitch wow. now, par- partially because listening to you two, I've been like, wow, this is really cool. I got to get into this somehow. But thinking that I didn't have enough to talk about on a podcast, I know I have a lot to talk about video games. So I started my Twitch channel. Uh, I'm currently a PhD student at the University of Florida, um, studying biological anthropology, so primates. And I just started school last week, Ooh. so this is a good way to kick off the semester. It was a very... Re- a Zoom call or a Facebook call or, or recording that I actually am excited and not dreading to be a part yes. of no uh, icebreaker game. Yeah, give us a fun you know, fact. Come from. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> PTSD. I mean, it is wild that you mentioned the PhD thing because it is like... All of our friends, like I went to school for film. I'm not like, I'm not planning on getting a PhD in that. And even then I'm like, I don't know what I'd do with that. It is weird yeah. to think all of our friends are smarter than us. Right. That are all like doing something that are all like within the same vein. I wouldn't say that. I would PhDs. say, I would say that we all love punishment through school more than you That's guys. That's true. Yeah. Me, Kenny Mack and Callum have all decided as a, as a mutual benefit. Uh, for those who don't know, Callum of CastPod, he's been on the show before and our roommate, Kenny Mack. Kenny Mac's already a doctor. He's already yes. a vet. And Callum and I are both going for our PhDs, Callum and Reptiles and Me and Monkeys. And I think we all just kind of agreed one day in undergrad that we were just going to, like, torture that ourselves. That you were going to combat so your, your you debt with compare. more debt. They exactly. can't get you if you exactly. never leave. Like, you know what? I miss living right. in debt. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, if I'm always accruing debt, when am I right. going to have time to pay it? I'll never. Die before. <laughs> exactly. As that one Simpsons episode said, if you're stuck in a giant hole, just keep digging. Right. (laughs) Exactly. There's nowhere to go. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So we're excited to have Tom on as um, 
other than Ka- the Caspod duo, our second guest on, and right. we mentioned, Ooh. if you haven't figured out what we're talking about yet, oh, we right. are talking about Kung Fu Panda, specifically the 2011 sequel, Kung Fu Panda 2. Yeah, remember that? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I do. Yes, I was going to say, do you want to tell the audience why you wanted to do this as your um, episode? Yeah, sure. So um, I, despite listening to the Disney desk, I did not grow up on Disney, really. I, I grew up on like certain like Disney Channel. Like that's why it was Disney Channel month. I was a strong proponent for uh, Wendy Wu Homecoming Warrior. That was my favorite. So I was the first one to vote on that poll on the yes. Patreon. Um, check out the Patreon if you want to vote for yes. uh, member choices. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was more of a Disney Channel person than a Disney movie person like the original animation I like some of them like like Mulan I'm a big fan of and Aristocats you know as problematic as it is I said it's like kids cats but I was definitely more of a DreamWorks kid right I would say and a Blue Sky kid when I was a kid Shrek and Ice Age I used to watch shows at least once a week probably drove my parents nuts um but yeah so Carter and Sydney pitched the idea of like what do you what would you guys talk about if you came on the show and a lot of the movies and things that I really love from Disney you guys have already talked about mm. right so I was like well I could you know talk about you know Mulan but you guys did the Mulan already or you know and I you guys are much more experienced with this than I am you know mm. so it's like what is something that like akin to the Spongebob month that I could bring that is unique that they might not think to talk about and I was like well my favorite animated movie is Kung Fu Panda right. 2 so Maybe that's a good idea, and I pitched it to you guys, and yeah, I, I think I had my exact words where I could go on a tear about Kung Fu Panda Two, and that's kind of how it locked in. But I'm definitely much more in love with this movie than a lot of other people. But I'm here to make its case. Yes, um, I will say, like these movies, I don't have a lot of experience with, and we'll talk about that once we like dive into the full on episode. Um, but when you pitched it, I was like, okay, if there was an ever an opportunity to, like, really break into these movies, because, like, they tend to be, like, the, hey, if you want, like, good dream work, here's the good stuff. Forget Shark Tale. Forget the later Shark movies. <laughs> this is where, this is where. I wish I could forget Shark Tale. <laughs> yeah, me too, buddy. Me too. I have a very funny story about that, actually. Um, but, yeah, they're, it, like, when people talk about, like, DreamWorks being underrated, they tend to reference the Kung Fu Panda series and the um, How to Train Your Dragon series as these weird, like, quiet little trilogies where the first movie came out and it's like, oh, pleasant surprise. And then they just quietly make sequels that continuously do better and get better reviews. Um, Sydney, I don't know what your experience with the Kung Fu Panda movies are. We can dive into that as we get into this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we can dive into all of this, but I don't know about you guys, but I think we should go to the movies. Do you want to go to the movies? Yeah, yeah, I got a minute. I can go to the movies. Tom, do you want to go see a movie right now? Absolutely. I can't wait to get some Reese's Pieces. Oh. That's my go-to movie candy, by the way. Oh, that's right. It was Tom that asked that question. Was it Was it you that asked that question or was somebody else? No, that was Eric. That was actually Eric. That asked what candy. Um, my fiance. <laughs> so I asked the question about how much time does Carter give you in preparation. Oh, and now you see absolutely none. Now I see that I, I'm on the receiving end. I had no idea. So it's Guys, first what, are you, what are you doing? What? I started the car already. Come oh, on, let's sorry. go. Okay, come on, let's oh, go. To sorry, the sorry, let's sorry. Go, let's, let's go. go. Jesus, let me duck into the car here. <laughs> there's a war going on. I can't waste gas. 
Ugh, okay. What are we seeing at the movies, you may ask? We have started spooky season early by seeing none other than... Is it the Haunted Mansion? Uh, Or just Haunted Mansion? I think it is just Haunted Mansion. I think the original was the Haunted Mansion. Yes, yes. So, the 2003 film is the Haunted Mansion, and then they pulled a Facebook and dropped the for the 2000. Good Lord, it's been 20 years since that movie. Right, yeah. Um, yes, but uh, this version is a brand new attempt at uh, taking the famous Disney World amusement park ride and bringing it to the screen. Um, it was directed by Justin Simeon, written by Katie Dippold, and featured a whole lot of people, including but not limited to Lakeith Stanfield, Tiffany Haddish, Owen Wilson, Danny DeVito, Rosario Dawson, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Jaron Lato. Your favorite friendly neighborhood yep. cult leader, Jared yes. Leto. You, you had a very funny comment that it's like they <laughs> just kind of perfectly typecast him as a ghoulish, horrifying-looking demon who leads a cult of, like, tortured <laughs> like, souls. Join my MLM? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's um, exactly what he's doing. Yeah, he's a girl boss. But, um, yeah, we, um, we've been meaning to see this movie for a while. This has been on our list of, like, oh, right. we should really get around to that, right? I, yeah. Like, it had, it had a bit of the ick to it just because it's, like... Ugh, this is like the movie that came out right when the strike started and really right. just underlined how ridiculous all of this is. But why and was this a summer feature and not a Halloween feature? Um, there's a lot of discussion about that. And I do love it. Like, you know that meme of like the woman working at McDonald's and it's like hardworking, ambitious. She's going places. And it's the guy that's like broke ass, lazy, yeah. unambitious. <laughs> um, that is basically how I feel. Because like A24 released a horror movie too basically the same weekend Ooh. called Talk to Me but because A24 is like the current like cinematic the darling child, who, yeah. like yeah they're the golden child who still get to call themselves indie even though they had multiple they're blockbuster not. hits now <laughs> and they have yeah I'm, I'm sorry they're not like look I know we're like arguing semantics here but like they're not they're indie not anymore indie. yeah they spend way too much they make too much money to be called indie I right. don't care um, but anywho it also came out in July I think the idea is, well, one, like, there's actually interesting statistics that show a lot of horror movies that come out or, like, spooky movies that come out in October don't do as well just because it's a crowded season and a lot of people are just re-watching the stuff they already liked. Mm, but yeah. also, like, this definitely feels like one of the last films that got finished and made in the previous regime's sort of obsession with Disney+. Plus. Because if you parse it out and you sit down and do the math, it's, like, perfectly timed to come out on Disney Plus around, like, late September or October. Um, Which is why the movie is kind of underperforming. I'm kind of trying to wean myself off of, like, box office discourse. Because I'm like, unless you're a shareholder for the movie, it shouldn't really bother you how much they spend or make on these movies. Unless you're, like, advocating for it. Yeah, I don't know. Tom, um, like... Did you have any interest in seeing this film? I, I'm gonna be honest. No. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna be totally honest. Even before, like, I learned about the whole strike thing, um, I had seen a trailer for it when I went to see the Mario movie, 
back when that was in theaters. And I looked at it, and I Somebody remember Aaron was with me, and I looked at her, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'll hold the on. Mario the Mario movie. Mario movie. <laughs> For Kenny Mac, yeah. if he ever listens. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I remember looking to her and being like, I don't know. I liked 2000, what was it, 2003, the one with Eddie yeah. Murphy. Yeah. I liked that one enough, but I, I looked right. at that, and I'm like, even though there's all these, like, great actors in here, I have no desire to see this. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I'm just saying. Right. Maybe they put it out in summer because spooky season. Hocus Pocus three. Maybe it'll happen. <laughs> right. Yeah. But okay. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, you're right, Carter. It sounds like a. It seems like a Disney Plus production it cycle. It really does. Yeah. There. There was it. I again. I don't have that much insider information on this movie. I mostly just have like the weird production history of basically for 10 straight years they were trying to make this damn thing uh originally <laughs> Guillermo del Toro was on as writer and producer most of his stuff got thrown out um because it was deemed too spooky at some point they pivoted off to doing a um animated series for um the Disney channel that looked really cute there was a little footage that came out of that um like, yeah, this has been in the works for literally, like, a decade because they're still chasing that Pirates of the Caribbean high. Mm. Um, but, yes, I was, like, very big on, uh, like, weirdly, the 2003 Haunted Mansion movie is weirdly up there on one of my, like, we watched it a lot as kids, even yeah. though I have never been to Disney World. And, Sydney, you said you've never been on the Haunted Mansion, correct? No, and I don't really know, like, why it's just it was, i guess it was just sort of an afterthought but yeah i've been to disney world twice i have never been on the ride but i've always loved the like aesthetic i've always been a mm -hmm. fan of the hatbox ghost yeah. as an aesthetic thing um and was and remember watching the original film a lot mm -hmm. yeah as a kid so yeah like because yeah they, like it's interesting because it came out Wait, did it come out before Pirates of the Caribbean? It came out around the same time as Pirates of the Caribbean, I remember. Mm. And it very much felt like they were trying to ride, like, the hype of that. Because that was, like, you know, because Pirate. I feel like we do grossly underrate. Yeah, they came out the same year. I feel like we grossly underrate how fucking huge Curse of the Black Pearl was. Like, it's so easy to be down on the franchise now because the last, like, three movies stunk to high heaven. And, like, you know, again, sort of the ick factor of it all now. Um, but, like, yeah, I remember that thing being hyped to hell, and it, like, and kind of liking it, and mm -hmm. it also falls under, like, the Goosebumps stuff I like, of sort of, like, kid horror, where it's, like, it's not the most scary, but it gets pretty intense, and it's a lot of, like, really fun, like, sort of spooky, goofy practical effects and, like, purple-green color scheme stuff. Right. I mean... Which is why I really wanted to give this a chance. I mean, like, what it all boils down to it, like, did we like this movie? <laughs> yeah, let's cut to the chase. Did we like the movie? I feel like we both left feeling very, like, Neh. Like, okay. I think my exact words to you were, I can't deny that I didn't have a good time. Yes, we did agree that, like, I feel like I enjoyed myself, but this mm. movie did require that I turn my brain off. Yes, um... I would say it is one of the best examples of a thing we talk about a lot um, of story versus plot. Because, like, if you sat down and explained to me, this is what we're kind of thinking for doing a Haunted Mansion movie in the year of our Lord, 2023. And it's like, okay, 
So the theme is like, you know, you're leaning into the theme of like celebrating life versus mourning death. Okay, that's a good theme. It's because it's fun. Like the Haunted Mansion's fun. It's like fun ghosts, woo! Um, and you center it around basically like, you know, you center it around the house. It's a lot of these different, you go through all the different set pieces. The, you know, the main villain is the Hatbox ghost who has sort of become this like soul collector basically, like a ghost who feeds off the discord of other ghosts. Like, okay, that's a fun idea for like, uh, right. you know, the overarching threat and centered around a character who lost his wife and is like kind of given up on life, who finds it again while dealing with all these ghosts. Again, all of it works. It's like the thematic stuff, the emotional stakes, all of it makes perfectly sensible, logical sense. And just the core concept of let's get a bunch of like B plus to A minus listers, get them in <laughs> silly costumes and tell them to just go have fun flailing. Okay. Like there's lots of flailing and screaming and having a good time. All of that works. Can I say but something? When you say, yes. To interrupt all this, like I think there's a lot of stupid things I could say about this movie, right? Like there's yes. a lot of, there's a lot of dumbass shit I could say about like oh like whoever was operating these cameras were doing drugs but like they put way too many celebrities names on the posters of these like of all of the marketing materials for this Mm -hmm. for for like 75 percent of the stars in this film to be on screen for like 60 seconds oh yes this is very much a like we got him for a day kind of movies. Like, don't talk to me about Winona Ryder. Do not talk to me about Dan Levy. Like, don't tell me these people are in this movie because they're kind of not. Know, I did not know Winona was in it until after the fact. I literally forgot. I think her name was listed. Like, they put all, everybody's name up there that was, like, of relevance. Like, Hasan Minhaj in there for one scene i was surprised at how much we saw of his of his part but i was like this is disappointing don't don't tell me that 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 these people are are in this film when they're like supporting 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 characters yeah but like as i was like as we were talking about it's like all of like the vibes and like the moment to moment are pretty entertaining like a lot of fun practical effects a lot of fun like digital tricks with the camera and stuff like some of the camera it's simultaneously like half the time the camera work is like this very creative like super fun sort of playful like moving and twisting and turning and the other half it's like did you run out of time right did you get the second (laughs) unit on this like did you go to film school for one one year yeah like someone needs to sit you down and be like you don't frame a one person shot like this right why is there so much space here that's distracting is the joke that a ghost could be there then why didn't you animate a ghost they just learned the effect of like pushing the camera in while zooming out and just went crazy like yeah they're just like, like, like and that's and every like, other so, shot yeah. has that effect and i'm like i'm so those little sony handheld cams you, you we used <laughs> the in like camcord- film class yes yeah the camcorder just woo! yeah um and yeah but like yeah and also as we were saying like the story like the themes and the ideas and even the characters i think work really 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 well it's the problem it's like the plot is just very slow and keeps getting mucked down in like either over explaining lore or trying to raise stakes that don't need to be raised i think we're like an hour and 15 minutes in where we introduce this idea that the hatbox ghost needs to get a thousand souls to become like Satan, I guess. I don't know. They don't really. <laughs> this is an it MLM. Well. 
Yes. And I'm like, no, no, we don't need a plot now. We're vibing. I already like these characters. Right. I want to see them get out of the haunted mansion. It's right. fine. Don't, don't introduce a quota. Yeah. Yeah. He needs don't introduce a... the mansion. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a Luigi's Mansion it where you're like, all right, which floors have I not gotten the yellow like check mark in? Uh, okay, I guess I got to be around here for a little bit. And then like, I think, I think one of my favorite things I said to you was like, and then they have to figure out a way to beat the Hatbox Ghost, which I'm just like, this is not necessary. Like, let's just focus on what's fun. And they go to a different mansion where the Hatbox Ghost used to live, and I'm like, no, you can't do a second mansion. Right, come on, it's now. a haunted, the haunted mansion, not haunted mansions. Right. Um, and, like, again, it's a shame because it bogs down what's otherwise, like, an actually perfectly pleasant vibe movie. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's a good vibe movie. And I, I really love the theme of, like, grief being manifested by, like, literal hauntings and yeah. sort of how to cope and move forward um, after losing a loved one. Like, there's, yeah. there's something like there's, really special about that message. There are good vibes. Danny DeVito was Danny yeah. DeVito. Tiffany Haddish was Tiffany yeah. Haddish. It's a pretty funny movie, it's too. It's very funny, yes. But, yeah, we're doing a lot of extra dancing around, and it does become cumbersome. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, there's just one problem. The plot isn't very good. No, yeah. Um, yeah, and, like, I think what, like, has kind of warmed me up to it more is, like, leaning thinking about how it's like the mansion became haunted with all these ghosts because the original owner lost his wife called in like the best fortune teller in the world who just kept performing seances trying to bring her back only to end up sucking ghost after ghost and he could not be discouraged about how terrible an idea that was whereas our main character was an astrophysicist who became obsessed with creating a camera that could see the afterlife so he could see his wife again and i'm like man what a what a cool premise Great. like setup for our like emotional conflict and main character but then we're in a different mansion, and I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, we're almost two stop. hours in! Yeah. Um, it, it is definitely a movie I would love to sit down and see, like, what creative decisions were producer notes. Which is weirdly a problem I had with Jungle Cruise, which was also a fun vibe movie that got bogged down in a lot of paprika. Um, <laughs> and that answer was, probably The Rock. This answer was, some producer probably made a little note on the script, like, well, no, we need, like, world-ending stakes. We can't just have it be whether or not yeah. this man can move on from his dead wife. Right. Um, and, and it's a shame. Because, like, I actually do think it's a charming little movie that will probably find its audience on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Anyway, Tom, what did you go see at the movies lately? I am going to be honest, and... My only movie that I went to see recently would be um, Barbie and Oppenheimer. You did the Barbenheimer double feature? Well, or did you see them uh, separately? Uh, we sep saw them separately. Like a normal so person. Saw, yeah, yeah. We saw, <laughs> I was advised against doing it together because of how long it was. Yeah. Um, yes, but uh, we like did Oppenheimer first, and then we did Barbie like a week later. Um, yeah. So I... Loved Barbie, obviously, like obviously. everyone does. Um, I am talking to two people who have way more to say. Well, one specifically, Carter has a lot to say about Barbie, but nowhere near as close to Sydney's right. understanding of it. And I did not see it. I have times. a PhD but in Barbie. I, if I, I would say yes. <laughs> like <laughs> it has become such a meme that you love Barbie that any game we play, like where Sydney's involved, there's always a Barbie. There's always a Barbie reference. Mm -hmm. um, 
but yeah, so I love Barbie. I loved the dynamic of the Kens. Uh, I thought they were hilarious. Um, what they got away with in that movie is astounding. Like even the last shot being about her gynecologist, which I did not expect. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I've been telling everyone to go see it. But yeah, I think I'd rather. I think I have more to say about Oppenheimer because Barbie is just like, what can I say about Barbie? It's it's amazing. It's great. Right. That has an. Argument. You know, like there's yeah. no criticism I can offer to it. Um, yeah. I was Oppenheimer, curious about your opinion. Yeah, I was gonna say because neither of us, me and Sydney, have not seen Oppenheimer yet. Yes. We haven't done the meme yet. Wait, so that's really? kind of why. But oh, wait, yeah. you had a Patreon episode called Carterheimer that was like 20 minutes long. I listened to it. So you're telling me you? Oh, I was seen talking about that? the politics of it. Oh, right. I, I know, but I thought you had saw it and then said that. All right, well, no. here we go. The politics um, of yeah, it interests so, me more than the actual film, I'm afraid. That's fair. Um, well, me and Aaron, my fiance, both love biopics, um, especially about history. So w- when we saw Oppenheimer, we were like, we have to go see that the first weekend. It's, it's in theaters. Right, right. So we went and saw it, um, and we really liked it. Um, I think that for me... Without spoiling too much, because I think it is worth a watch, but oh, yeah. it kind of jumps around spoiler between alert. medium. There's a bomb. Yeah. Spoiler alert. I may yeah. spoil something. I doubt I will. I'm going to try really hard not to. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert. The bomb. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, they kind of jump around between perspective from like future, like from what the main story is, like the atom bomb stuff and the development of the atom mm. bomb they kind of jump between the past and the future and they kind of do it in this way of different medium. So they show like certain frame, like certain time periods and different color schemes, which I thought was really interesting. The problem is, is that it jumps around a lot. So hmm. I found myself getting confused because they, uh, in a typical historical drama fashion, they don't reveal like the big controversies or the big twists until the very end about like this whole process. So, like, there are scenes where someone's being interviewed, right? And there's a scene where another person's being interviewed. And you think they're in the same, like, time frame, but they're not. They're, like, 20 years apart. So, it kind of goes into this realm of, you know, I understand what's going on. And it's like, well, wait, maybe I don't. Which can be good. Um, there were some pr- surprising uh, ca- um, cameos. I should, not cameos. I guess there were surprising actors in there, um, in the movie. Um, mm. Some from not from Bob Disney Channel, but from Nickelodeon back in the day. There were some, you know, mainstays oh, yes. from that in the movie. I did not know about that. I forgot about that, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I really liked um, the portrayal of Oppenheimer as a person. The actor who mm-hmm. um, I knew originally as the Scarecrow from the Dark Knight trilogy um, was really, really good in that role. Um, he really captured a meticulous and kind of awkward nature. Um, and the guy that got for Einstein is also really, really good. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm going to get heat for this, but I wish they had focused more on the ramifications of their work. Like mm-hmm. throughout the movie, like there are scenes where Oppenheimer is not sure if he's doing what he should be doing or he's regretting decisions, but they don't make an explicit not that I want to see the horrors that that thing sure. caused, but it's literally like a two or three second clip of like the reactions of people that aren't even Oppenheimer, just people who worked on the bomb, watching a slideshow of what happened in Hiroshima. And, but they don't even show the slides and it's just like two or three seconds of people going like, 
And it's like, okay, that's yeah. great, but like, we're more. Yeah. Then we just jump right back to the politics of it, of like, of, you know, of who is he working for? Flick. Was he exactly? Yeah. Was he? Was he? You know, a communist? Was is the government responsible? Blah, blah blah. And it turns more into a understand, which of course it would because it's Oppenheimer, right? But hmm. I don't know. Like, I was just in a class and I find out that. Because of the atom bomb, we can no longer carbon date anything after 1950. So once we get to 1950, when we're carbon dating fossils, like the future people in the future won't be able to fi- figure out what time we're in through carbon dating because the atom bomb messed up so much in the carbon 14 levels in the atmosphere that it won't, it doesn't have the same half life. So like the ramifications of this event in human history are gigantic. So I was kind of hoping for more maybe explanation or. Mm-hmm. delving into that but overall i would say it's good i think it is longer than it should be i think there are some parts that some parts that could be cut for sure um but a surprising I, I don't think this will spoil it for anybody because he was in the trailers and robert downey jr is a major uh, actor mm-hmm. in the movie and he is amazing he's does such a great job um and it's great to see him do a role that isn't iron man because like Obviously, he's a great actor aside from Iron Man, so it's great to see that. But yeah, I, yeah. I think that's all my thoughts. Um, we left the theater hungry because <laughs> <laughs> it was so long, but definitely a perplexing movie. Like you, it really makes you think. Mm-hmm. And then Barbie yeah. was out a week later, and it was amazing. So right, <laughs> right. And I saw um, that song d- from Ken stuck in my head. So. I do need to see it because I want to complete, because I've talked about, there's a trilogy of movies from three of our great, like, current directors, like directors who can just do whatever they want. Um, Nolan, uh, Gerwig, and Wes Anderson, because Asteroid City is also set in a desert like Barbie and Oppenheimer, and it's a movie about creating a thing and not fully understanding it, and, like, being okay, forced to question that's the, the entire you were building blocks about. of existence. Yes. I was like, what um, movie is he talking about with a desert? <laughs> Asteroids, yeah, Asteroid City is very good, guys. It's on Peacock. It is a similar energy. And also, I like that it also has, like, the ghoulish subtext of, like, the A-bomb. Because, like, the joke throughout the movie is Asteroid City is right next to where they do nuclear testing. And because it's in a desert, dust moves very far if it gets windy. Um, Mm. Yeah, I'm very excited to see it. Um, The discourse about it has been so interesting. And, like, the, like how much do you talk about like the aftermath of the bomb or like how it affects things um like and that's like the difference between a procedural and a drama i wish and i don't know if this scene's in the movie but it sounds like it isn't apparently like after the bombing of hiroshima like oppenheimer came into truman's office just like bawling his head off at like the gravity of what they'd done prompting prompt which prompted truman to slap him square across the face and be like you didn't drop the bomb i did and I like that because it just underlines the, like, very sort of bleak sort of caveman energy that it takes to be like, well, we're going to make the biggest thing and use that to kill the people we don't like. I'm going to use a politician's turn of phrase and say I will neither confirm nor deny that that is in the movie. Okay. If that's in the movie, I'm probably going to feel better about it. Um, you know, the only thing I have to add as a side note is that for whatever fr- freaking reason, like, this movie if nothing else, is teaching people that Albert Einstein was actually, like, a more modern figure and not, indeed, from the 1700s, which I don't know why people... I don't know. I, like, I don't... I don't know, but a lot of people on Twitter are, like... They treat him like Isaac Newton as this, like... Yeah, that's exactly who they think he was. They think he was Darwin. 
and yeah. he was not. Yeah. Uh, I no, have, I mean, I, I'm telling you, I have the theory that they look at his hair and they think of those like the wigs, wigs that like the old British the used, used wigs. to wear, and they yeah. just like put it together in their head. They're like, They're like oh, oh, he must be from. No one would have hair like that in the. 40s or did they or just whatever. assume that everybody who's like in our textbooks in school is from? Like couldn't have been alive. Could not have been alive in a time where television where existed. photographs exist. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Right. They have that and it's funny because like, like yeah. out, right, so exactly. Also, just like Eisenhower was like a weird little guy. Like one of the most famous images of him is him like sticking his tongue out the camera. He was like a cheat. Again, he wasn't like this posh, refined. Fe- well, he. I mean, obviously, he was a scientist, but like he's a weird. You know, guy. he was a little. He's a weird little guy. Yeah, very much so. Um, Anyway, are we ready to get back to work? We've got some pandas to kung fu. Yes, sir. I'm I've been, ready. All right. I've here been chopping blocks this whole time, baby. Back to work we go. All right. Thanks, movies. All right. All right. So it's finally time to dive in. And to start, as we usually do with stuff that has, like, nostalgic memories and stuff, Tom, I was wondering if you could talk to us about how you got introduced to the Kung Fu Panda series. Did you see the original when it came out in theaters? Did you come to it with the second movie? What is your memory of, like, how you were introduced to this franchise? I don't think I saw it in theaters. I think I saw Kung Fu Panda at my cousin's house, and I really liked it because I really liked, when I was a kid, I really liked Tai Lung because he was the first, like, serious threat that I had seen in like a in an animated movie, like, you know, like, like like I was saying, like Shrek, like you know, the threat there, Farquaad, like it's a joke. Yeah, you know? the joke is um, all the bad guys are clowns. Exactly, so Ice Age, same thing. Like it was all about like the humans, but the humans aren't really bad. Like the the saber tooth tigers are bad, but Diego is in, and the rest of them are kind of just lackeys. Mm-hmm. It's really just that one guy. But like Tai Lung, like murders people like or rhinos i guess he like kills however many rhinos when he breaks out of that prison so i was like this is crazy and something that grabbed my attention right away was the effects because i'm a proponent that that kung fu panda movies have insane visual effects like just the imagery they use is so cool Mm. and i'm also a huge you know i don't want to say weeb because that's more japan but i just love all that ancient asian kind of Right. I guess not lifestyle, but like just culture. It's so cool to me. Um, mm-hmm. And I, you know, grew up on old school kung fu movies, and you know, it just it it kind of scratched that itch. So I was like, oh, this is a great yeah. movie. And then the, the fantasy martial arts actually aesthetic. didn't exactly. And I love fight choreography. I'm a big like anime person, um, shonen, all that sort of stuff. So that movie came and went. I loved it. But it wasn't like one of those movies where I'm like, this is my, this is it, you know. And then Kung Fu yeah. Panda 2 came out, and I didn't even see it in theaters. I didn't see it for a few years. And then I saw it at home. So it was on TV. And I watched it with my mom. And I remember my mom looking at me and being like, this movie is beautiful. Is that like a real-life shot? And I'm like, no, that's that's animated in the movie, I think. And then it was mm-hmm. the scene in uh, Dongman City, which we'll get to, I'm sure. But... I just remember being like, this is it. Like, the Lord Shen stuff, Gary Oldman. Mm. I just... The fight choreography is insane. The imagery is insane. It's so dark. Like, the movie talks about, like, genocide. And it's crazy. And I just remember being like, this is the coolest animated movie I've ever seen. And I don't think that would still be the case for me. It's still my favorite. But after, you know, Spider-Verse. Kind of topples that (laughs) for me. But... 
Kung Fu Panda 2 is still my favorite because it just has those memories with it. But right, yeah. And I just saw Kung Fu Panda 3 two days ago. Cindy, um, do you have any experience with the Kung Fu Panda movies or like any um, meaningful memories with them? Because I have negative ones, which I can get into. Oh Ooh. God. Well, okay. It's so it's so interesting because, we, like, weirdly, um, I, I've mentioned my mom a lot of times on this on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Even when I told her what the theme was for this week, she was like, "Oh, that's like my favorite movie." <laughs> like, really? not not specifically the second one, but like, like she was weird. Like, she's always favored the Kung Fu Panda movies, and every time they come on on FXX or whatever. Like, whatever channels just, like, constantly just show them on a loop. She'll she just, like, put them on in the background. Like, I don't want to put your mom on blast, but she has some what, unexpected taste. She also was, hey, like, I remember when I was that. talking uh, about... She's Cindy's a tune, mom, you got the best taste. Thank you. Like, she's a she's an animation, like, tune person like yeah. us, which is well, probably I just, where I get it from. But... Right. Well, because I was talking about, like, because I mentioned Shazam, and she's like, I used to watch the old Shazam show, and I'm like, the black and white one? Yeah, <laughs> she, yeah, probably that. That wouldn't surprise me either. Um, but so, so I have vivid memories of seeing the first one, um, and I have a lot of like imagery in my mind of that one. This was probably my first time seeing the second one, and really? certainly I have not seen the third one. But what I have seen a lot of was the series. I watched yeah. a lot of the series. That was on TV a lot. It was very funny. Jack Black was in it. Like it it was it was actually quite good. The I don't even know how long the series ran for, but like I have more vivid memories of the television series than I do of anything else. So that's, that's so that's I actually had the game for that show. There was the, a game the, for Kung Fu Pageants, Legend, Kung Fu Panda Legends of Awesomeness and there was a game that came out for the Wii, Ooh. and my uh, cousin knew I liked it, and she got it for me for like I don't even remember, like maybe sixteen years old, seventeen years old, wow, something like that. It was a while ago. It wasn't a very good game. Okay, <laughs> it was one of those licensed games, you know. It's right, yeah, right. That that whole era right. of like you know maybe one or two of them are good because they're right. just decent platforms. Usually the ones that are good are the ones that are whatever. like obscenely hard. Like yeah. the Finding yeah. Nemo game lives in infinity because of how hard it is. But mm-hmm. yeah, Kung Fu Panda was just kind of that game was just kind of meh. But yeah, I know the the series you're talking about. I also watched it. Yeah, right. had a good theme song. I um I never watched any of that. I remember. See, here's the thing. I also my main experience with the original Kung Fu Panda was through FX, which we have established has the movies. Has the movies. Has the movies. Indeed, and has dumb movies. Also, if you guys are wondering why we like the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles so much, it's because we do the same dumb bits where we all just repeat the same thing over and over right. again. Like, it's a freaking Pavlov <laughs> response. Um, but yes, I remember this movie mostly because I remember pointedly it was a movie that I was like, I don't want to see that in theaters, believe it or not. Um, like, That's so fair. we've talked about, like, me being out on Disney and animation as a whole, like, this is when I was really just turning on, like, I was a DreamWorks kid for a little bit. Like, I was like, these are the real cinematic geniuses. 
And I was like a Pixar kid a little bit too, but at the same time, I didn't see Wally in theaters. I didn't see Ratatouille in theaters. I was like, ah, what is this? And a part of it, I think, is because marketing for animated films was so bad in this period. I went back and watched the Kung Fu Panda 2 trailer just to get a sense, and I'm like, you don't get any of the movie from this. You just get, like... No, you don't. (laughs) You don't really get anything. You just get, haha, it's funny that he's fat bits. And that was all of Kung Fu Panda 1's marketing. Like, haha, it's funny because he's large, and large people can't karate chop. Okay, Um, wait, I wanted to talk about, like... Like, I was struck by the fat phobia in this film. I don't oh, remember. Oh, it's even worse in the third one. I don't remember yeah, the that third one from growing up. The maybe, maybe there was they can't keep getting away just with this, more of do. it. Like, maybe maybe we were just used to it back then, when we, or we just weren't privy to that issue when we were young. But, like, watching this now, I was like, oh, my God. Why is this movie so mean? Yeah, it's... Yes. It and is. That's like, it is mean. <laughs> this movie, yeah. And this was also, like... Because, like, this movie came out, or the original Kung Fu Panda came out in 2008. Um, and, it, like, at that point, I hadn't seen, like, I saw Madagascar and Shark Tale in theaters, and then that was it. That was, like, the hard cutoff. And those movies are kind of weirdly mean-spirited, too. Yeah. Like, this was an era where, like, animated, like, especially DreamWorks, which is very mean-spirited for some reason. Yeah. And then I would be watching it through FX, and I'd be like, wait, there's actually something here, though. Like, the action's good. I do think you make a good point, um about, like, uh, the Shifu being this, like... That was really an era where there weren't a lot of great... You know, Disney wasn't really doing great Disney villains anymore, so it was rare we were getting villains who were just outright, objectively evil. Like, even if they have nuances to why they're evil. Like, yes, Shifu... Or... or uh, uh, Tai Lung. Sorry, not Shifu. Um, like, yeah, he has a reason to be evil, but at the same time, it's like, no, he's evil. He's trying to kill people. He is going to kill he, this panda he if he doesn't people. get good That's, at fighting. Right. Even in the past, oh, yeah. like, they locked him up because he killed people in the valley, like, which is crazy. Like, yeah. The, the imagery there, they're, like, throwing, like, fire on these bunnies' houses is, like, so Jeez. over the top. Like, the giant <laughs> leopard is attacking the little piggies and the little bunnies. Like, wow, all right. Which is yeah. insane to, like, um, s- like juxtapose that kind of violence with how cartoonish the design of all of yeah. these figures mm. are. It's a little unnerving. Yeah. Yeah, and I do want to get to that, because that's one of the things I really like about the series as a whole. But yeah, as I'm watching the first one on like FX and getting like bits and pieces, I'm like, oh, there's actually a lot of heart here and sincerity. And even with the fat phobia, one thing I do appreciate about this series is they underline like, yeah, he's plus size and he's out of shape. But that doesn't, like, affect his ability to be good at martial arts. Like, even his training... Like, there's no bit in the training montage where he... Like, there's no Mr. Incredible bit where he gets cut and ripped again. Like, no, he's always going to be a big guy. But, like, as he continues to train, he's j- just as good as everyone else at karate chopping, if not better. Mm. Exactly. Like... And that's... It's that's kind of one of the things the I like about movie. the final fight. Oh, Yeah. Like, one of the things I really like about the final fight in the first movie with um, Tai Lung is, like, he's using his size to his advantage. Like, Tai Lung does not know how to fight against someone who isn't, like, in perfect, immaculate shape. So he's getting, like, thrown off by this. And I kind of like that as, like, a nice makeup. It's kind of, it's very, really similar to Endgame's Thor thing, where you're like, God, this is really mean-spirited that they're laughing at this guy who's clearly in a depressive state. Yeah. But the, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. But then when it's time to, like, throw down, and he, like, calls down his hammers, and he, like, looks like a Viking king, you're, he's like, no, he still can really kick ass. Right. Yeah. But, anyway, right. this is all subtext. super ripped. Yeah, exactly. He gets ripped in the next movie. Um, 
But yeah, so jumping ahead to the second one, like I said, I didn't see this one in theaters. This is the first time I think I, again, it's another one that I watched on FX, which I cannot overstate enough has the movies. Has the movies. Um, has the movies. But yes, this was the first time I sat down and watched it all the way through. And talking, Sydney, about like the sort of cartoon justification and also talking about like the martial arts of it all. One of the things I really love about like this movie is it, and we've talked about genre and animation before. I like that it's basically like kind of a Jackie Chan movie, but with cartoon mm-hmm. animals in terms of like comedy karate. Like right. the bit with Jackie, Jackie Chan, Chan was like, <laughs> this is a Jackie exactly. Chan movie, bitch. He says, doesn't say a lot, but he's in it. But like, I like that they lean into the idea of like, oh, if we do this animated, we can do whatever we want with the action scenes. They can get right. as crazy and cartoony as we want. Like the limitations of the human body no longer apply. So it can basically be like a great Jackie Chan comedy sketch of like him riding on this cart chasing after someone as it gets progressively and progressively more destroyed. But we can crank it up to 11 because there's no chance of anyone dying. Right. Mm. That's a good point. Which um, is ironic because people characters do die but it's not in these yeah. over the top like you would be dead three times kung fu montages and like <laughs> right. little subtle things you know yeah like actual well, as subtle as a giant deaths. cannon can be but you know right um and also like on the like i love how this movie with the martial arts leans into the idea that all of these animals like fight differently based on what animal they are i think like this movie Ooh, has I some great character that, yeah. animation yes um like I, in general, there's just a lot of great character animation in this. But, like, when you go and look at a lot of, like, the Disney animated anthropomorphic animal movies, it's kind of incidental that they're animals. It's just, like, well, right. it's funnier if the person is a chicken instead of a person. Right. Like, the f- fact that they're not a person doesn't play into it. Whereas this movie, like, they really, d- they come up with fun ways to be like, well, here's how a prey mantis would fight. Here's how a tiger, you know, a tiger fights pretty normally, but, like, a crane would obviously like be flying around. They'd be like slashing and swinging. Um, in particular, Lord Shen, the main villain for this movie, um, is like the best example of that. Like he's a peacock, so he's like prancing. He moves quickly. He scutters on his feet. Like when he's like doing flourishes, his wings open up as if it's like a combat fan. Like they do so many cool little subtle things with like how all the characters move and fight against each other that I think is just like just makes it like a delight to look at. Yeah, that's definitely, like, something that struck me that I kind of forgot about with this franchise was how um, sort of aesthetically pleasing... Um, are they called the Furious Five? Did, did I yes. make that up? Okay. Um, that they sort of, like, move like a unit. That when they, like, every time that they're kind of seen all in, like... I, I guess it is, like, so fun to see their different fight styles, but that they also sort of, like, have them choreographed to sort of move around in, like, one clump um, that, like, sort of has all these different appendages to it that are, like, moving and doing different things at once. Um, it's it's fascinating to make use of something like a boa constrictor or, um, or a praying mantis, like, in a in a combat scenario. Um, right. But yeah, like that's sort of the gift of animation is that like, yeah, you could sort of make these creatures do anything. You could give that, you could physically give them any strength level and have right. it work. <laughs> in this universe, a praying mantis is like the top, one of the top six strongest characters in the world right. or in the perceivable realm. Right. 
and it's a praying mantis voiced by Seth Rogen. Like anything can go, anything goes. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And one thing I wanted to talk about also is like, you know, we talk a lot, we've been talking a lot in this Spider-Verse TMNT summer about like modern art, like modern pop art stuff, like sort of like bending the form of CGI to do new things. I would argue this film is kind of out in front of that. I um, agree wholeheartedly. Yes. Um, as like, you know, in the very obvious way, I really like how flashback scenes are done with hand-drawn TV, elements. Yeah. Like, mm. yeah. So sort of, and I guess we can explain the plot of this movie. I never know how much we should explain the plots of movies that are over a decade old, but like, I guess I can kind of cover it. Um, so Lord Shen is trying to basically take over all of China with his new weapon, the cannon, which I love the premise of like, oh, like, I like the premise of, like, this ancient society getting some kind of powerful technology and that throwing everyone off. Um, but also, like, Poe is dealing with this problem where every time he runs into one of their soldiers, it's triggering, like, a flashback. And he realizes, like, oh, he was adopted. I had a panda parents. I wasn't born from a goose. Um, mm. And him sort <laughs> oh. of cope, trying to figure out what happened. Oh, yes. I do love, and also, this franchise is really good at, like, having subtle sequel teases. Like, like, the first one having that subtle... In the first movie, he says something like, it's almost like I'm not even your son. And for just a second, you think he's going to be like, yeah, I adopted you. Um, and they don't. And that's, like, such a nice subtle sequel setup. But anyway, so, like, he keeps getting triggered by seeing different, like, insignias on these soldiers. And it shoots him into, like, a 2D space. And it doesn't become a CGI flashback until he gets the full story and he makes peace with himself. Where it, like, syncs up. And I'm like, that's so cool that they do that. But even in, like, little subtle ways, like, the way, like, sunlight is, like, almost drawn onto the frame where it's this solid beams, like, the way they play around with different, like, forms and techniques I think is so cool. I agree. It's uh, especially, like, I would say my, I don't want to say it's my least favorite because it's extremely important to his development, but the scene where he's theorizing about the radish that can do kung fu Right. I do love mind. that scene. <laughs> like it's right. so goofy, but the art direction is insane. Like because it kind of blends that like those hand drawn paintings that were con conveying like Lord Shen and mm -hmm. his past, and the CGI of the current movie to like make it together. And then it like kind of gets progressively more modern as the fight goes on. As the fight goes on, and I just remember like. I think like right after that scene or soon after is when he does his like awakening scene, right? Where he's like in right. the rain and he's learning to master his, his grief. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's such a tonal shift, but the art direction stays constant and it's just, right. yeah, it's, I find it the most important movie in the trilogy for Poe's development mm, because in the first right. one, he's fighting like the social stigma, right? Of like, I'm fat, but I can do Kung Fu. The third one right. is more like him accepting his, like, new dad or whatever. And he's like, in this battle, I, I saw um, a review of these, of these of this trilogy, and someone said something along the effect of, in this in the first movie, Poe is fighting Shifu's demons. He's fighting Tai Long. In the third right. movie, he's fighting Ugwe's demons, which is Kai. But in the second movie, he's fighting his demons. And that's what makes it so mm. powerful. Because he's fighting the person that took his family away from him. Right, All of right. this trauma is based on him. Not some legend that Shifu told him. Not some spirit realm stuff that Ugwe's doing. Not something. They have Furious Five. I have no idea who this guy is. It's just him. 
he's the only one for most of the movie who knows the trauma or subconsciously knows the trauma that this guy caused him. And yeah, I think that's, I would say shown in my favorite scene of the movie, which is when they uh, go to Gongmen city and they get captured mm-hmm. after the big crazy fight to the village with the giant dragon and they go up the stairs and there's some jokes, you know, I love the yeah. dynamic between the Lord Shen and the goat. It's like, if you continue yes. down this path, you'll find yourself at the bottom of the stairs. <laughs> One of my favorite jokes. Um, but it's so goofy. And he's like pretending to like introduce himself to Poe and then you actually do it. And that fight actually begins. And they, you think they did it. Because at this point, it's like an hour and, you know, probably an hour. Yeah, you're pretty deep. The movie, I did not 30. realize they meet him pretty late into the movie. Yeah. And he they, they destroy the weapon in this big, crazy thing. And then you think, okay, now it's going to be where Shen... Because we've seen him... We've seen Shen do some kung fu fighting in this movie. He's not on the level of, like, Shifu and the other kung fu masters, but he does hold his own against Master Rhino and Master Croc. Um yeah. And Master Ox in the beginning before he, you know, shoots and kills Master Rhino exploding. with a cannon. Um, yeah. But you I think, love, okay, so I love that he destroyed. just straight up says, yeah, I love that he straight up says when he introduces the cannon, yeah, parts of you will be over there, parts of you will be over there, and you'll be and splattered on that wall. Like, I love there. how they have no qualifications. the wall. I love that joke. I love, <laughs> I love, I love how serious like, Gary Oldman I love that they have no qualms about how scary this technology is right. for people exactly. who have been used to fighting with swords and arrows. Even in the way that Shifu talks about it, when he gets the message that Master Rhino's dead, he says, Lord Shen has a, has a machine that breathes metal and spits fire. He doesn't even describe it as a cannon or as a gun or right. whatever. He doesn't know how to, he doesn't know how to say it as opposed to just calling it like almost like an animal. Mm-hmm. But, and so we're at that point in Gangman City, we think that it's over, right? We think the final fight's gonna happen right now. The Furious Five versus Shen and his soldiers and Poe's gonna fight him hand to hand to hand. But then Shen flies away and he lands in another tower and there are five other ones. And they all shoot mm. fire at the tower that they're in. And that is my favorite scene in the movie because it is visually stunning and shows oh, yes. just how outmatched they are in this. Like, it shows, like, you're in this city that is so far and away from what the valley is, is like. It's so industrialized. Mm. There's so many people. Lights. It almost looks like a modern city in China. And you're fighting this thing that you think you take take it down. And then he just has this mass production factory of them. Like this, this thing that caused wreck and havoc for the first hour and a half of the movie. And then Poe gets shot. And obviously we know he's not dead, but the way that they have like the lightning strike and Sifu like fall to his knees, like as if somebody has been lost from the great balance is just really, really cool to me. And then they don't even show you the five getting captured. They just get captured because there's no hope. It's just, they're so overwhelmed. And then the next scene is the final all, scene where they're in the mo- when they're in the boats and yeah 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 it's like it is one of the best all is lost moments I've seen in a movie and that's why you don't have to show them getting captured because like yeah all is lost right, of course they got captured yeah Poe is Poe is yeah. dead there's no they can't do anything yeah but like yeah it's I did not know because I knew the beginning of that scene but I never saw the part where he flies away and shoots the cannons and this whole tower's coming down and I'm like this is visually stunning the way. Because it's such a cool scene, because it's like, God, they're so high up. How are they going to get out of this one? And, like, you know, as the whole thing's exploding, and then you... Oh, that shot of him getting shot with the cannon just sent into space, off the map. 
like yeah. final like that's like a you just hit someone that's on smash bros and smash brothers their bodies gone <laughs> right exactly like, even screams like he's going behind in, like, the stage like, yeah if you were in one of like the combat spaces you would bounce seven times before it's just like no you're done um yeah but yeah i, I really love that scene uh too because and this is what I was talking about with the character animation. They do so much good stuff with Lord Shen in that scene. He starts out so tense because he's like, this is the prophecy that is supposed to wreck my stuff. Like, this is the one guy who's like, I tried to kill, like, I tried to preempt destiny by killing this guy. Not only did he survive, he probably knows I tried to ice him because he has no idea who Poe was. Was he a baby? Was he a grown adult? Like, when this right. happened, he doesn't know. So he's like, you know, he's like clenching his sword and like fidgeting with it because he's like, okay, this is literally everything on the line. Then he gets this clown being carried up the stairs because he's too tired to make it up the last couple of floors. And his physiology, like, and he's trying to be serious about it. He's like, ah, so we meet again. And Jack Black, and I don't know why I ever didn't like Jack Black. He is so good in these movies. Oh, just him so going, hey, how are you? Hey, um, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, and it just progressively, Lord Shen being like, well, what is this? Like, what are you, is this a joke? Like, this is the guy yeah. who's supposed to kill me. Only for Poe to, like, reveal his master plan of having uh, Mantis sneak in and keep the cannon from going off. And, like, all hell breaks loose so fast. There's just this awesome shot as Poe is chasing after Lord Shen, where Lord Shen, like, takes two steps back, realizes he's, like, on the stairs, falls, and, like, scrambles away. And I'm like, that is such an awesome little bit of, like, I don't know. I've gotten really into character animation and, like, how you depict a performance through drawing and, like, uh, like rig work and mm -hmm. just having that little bit where he's like scrambling on the ground running for cover as he real like yeah. as in his head he's like fuck no this guy's for real he's bluffing i'm fucked i'm fucked it's just such an incredible moment it's and then you have that awesome animation oh exactly and then that final shot where he just fans his wings open and poe freezes i'm just like what these movies are, like, these movies kind of feel like a decade ahead of their time in terms of, like, storytelling through CGI animation. Like, the camera angles they get, the poses they get. Like, I'm like, this only came out four years after Shrek. It feels like it's in a different reality. It's crazy. I, I did not. Well, the oh, original, wow. the first one came out four years after Shrek. Yes. Yeah. Okay, oh, say, yeah, you're Yeah, right. still, okay. still. But, right, right. I got the timeline and the little fuzz there. Something that we um, haven't talked about yet, I know I keep rambling, but the music in this movie, mm. in this in these movies, is insane. Like, Ugwe Ascends yes. is, like, probably one of my favorite themes in all of animation. And in this movie, it's no slouch either. Like, just the, the, the kind of, like, simple, peaceful vibe that the music gives off under Jay Palace versus mm. the triumphant banging and clanging of Gongman City or the oh, desperate yeah. the desperation and almost silent music of the final front the final fight in the water like mm -hmm. perfect Love oh so yeah these too. movies are <laughs> yeah these mo movies are like top notch in terms of aesthetics and like tone like especially and again because it's so shocking because again you watch the trailers and it's all just like the most boomery humor you can possibly oh, yeah. imagine. The humor like, is like, what is this? Yeah. Yeah. But then you when you watch incredible the movies, you're like, vignettes, and then you have, have some panda voiced by Jack Black saying skadoosh like three times. Yeah. It's like the balancing act that these movies make is actually insane that they pull it off so much. Um, mm. Yeah. And talk, um, at, I like, I guess we're kind of talking through the plot as we go along, but like, you know, 
And this is the scene everyone cites, the scene of, like, Poe making peace. And, like, again, if you were going to talk about how these movies balance tone, it's we have so many, like, we have so many different jokes and bits and, like, energies and tones. And we have this damn near silent scene. Like, there's so little dialogue in this scene. And that's, like, so impressive because kids' movies these days are not allowed to be silent. Like, you know, a lot of animated movies, there's just this understanding of it has to be noise, noise, noise all the time. But just to almost cut all of that out in favor of the music as he's trying to do this little act of balancing a raindrop on his paw so he can get it to the ground. Like, I just, you know, it's like it's one of those bits where you're just like, I love movies. This is why I love movies. Yep. And it's something you can't do. And like, that's something that really comes across the best in animation because you can focus <laughs> on the raindrop. You can follow it through the character model as opposed to like, if you were doing that in a real movie with real actors, you can do that, but it would definitely be more on the sensation of the character's skin and their, their permanence as a character, as opposed to like a model where it's just going across and it's so smooth. It's not getting caught on anything. It's not, like ridging down yeah. someone's arm it's just smooth whole way yeah which yeah. is doing it perfect like... for his style because he's big and soft and he doesn't he doesn't do hard motion he does soft motion right um yeah and that's i do like that theming too of like that's actually interesting because like a big theme with tigress who becomes kind of like the second lead is like you know I spent all of my, my young adult life like punching iron trees until I became rigid and tough. And that's in her motions. Her motions are very like strict and quick and like fierce. Whereas like presenting Poe as like this sort of more like, you know, where's his heart on his sleeve, big emotions guy. Like again, it's it's again, it's why animation is special, because you can tell the story it's so much like you can do a lot of great stuff in live action, but you can tell so much story through just how you draw someone that you just can't do in live action. Yeah. And then what can we say about the final fight other than it bangs? I, my favorite right. part about that final fight is the beginning where he goes, is that a fire Shen, your time is up. And he's like, what? I can't hear you. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yes. <a joke>. That, <laughs> he throws his hat and it just falls like a broken paper airplane. <laughs> oh. That's the part that gets me. And again, I, it's one of the things I love. It's like, yeah, Poe's never going to be the badass Kung Fu master, but he's always going to be a good one. He's always going to have yeah. the skills to save the day. He's just not going to be able to do all of, like, the cool poses and, right. like, the catch, you know, the cool, like, speeches that he looks up to in the Furious Five. Mm -hmm. Like, he'll never be a part of the Furious Five, technically, but that's okay, because he does his own thing. Um, I will say one little thing as we're talking about this final fight. I love how the dogs are animated. Like, Shen's army are all these just, like, wolf, this wolf pack, and they're all drawn, like, weirdly noodly, so their heads, like, kind of jut out. And, like, when they get hit, they have a very satisfying, like, cartoon, like, noodliness to them. And I love that the, like, the lead guy um, who ends up getting killed by Shen when he freezes to fire on his own troops, again, wild for a DreamWorks movie with butt jokes and farts. Um, He's voiced by, um, what is his name? The guy who does Lego Batman, I think. Really? I believe, I believe oh, so. Shoot. Will Arnett. Will Arnett. I'm pretty sure that's Will Arnett. I had the um, cast list pulled up here. I don't remember that's what, what I wanted to talk about. Is, like, but... why this has such a star-studded cast in it. That's I don't know amazing. why I'm surprised to it's see crazy. the likes of some of these people, but... Angelina like, Jolie, Jackie Chan. Right. Dennis yeah. Haysburg. Um, yeah, like. the, the, 
Um, Lucy Liu, who I always love to see. James Hong. Dustin Hoffman Brendan is in this. Brendan Fraser. Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman is um, right. Chifu. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh, that's who. Never mind. That's who it is. It's. Oh, it's yeah. Mastercard. Yeah. Jean-Claude. I think Jean-Claude Van Damme is the is the wolf. Oh, Danny McBride is Wolf Boss. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Danny McBride is in this? Yeah. I always get Danny McBride and and Will Arnett's voices confused because they have that same kind of gravelly, Mm. almost like... Victor Garber. Now I'm trying to think of who Van Damme is. Like Victor Garber. You know, it's funny because it's funny you raise that point. It's funny you raise that point, Sydney, because it's the weird thing with DreamWorks because DreamWorks really pushed, especially because, like, you know, DreamWorks was co-founded by Jeffrey Katzenberg, who was all in. Like, you know, when they made Aladdin at Disney, that was his, like, Manderlay. Like, he was so, like, because that movie made so much money. He became obsessed with, like, this is what animation should be. We need to get the star-studded cast. We need to get the big names. They got to be on the poster. Which kind of flew in the face of a lot of, like, what Disney was, where it's like, well, let's get established Broadway and stage character actors. Right. You know, it's about the characters, not the voices. Where Katzenberg was like, scratch that, reverse it. Um... And so even in this era where it's like, you know, it's like over the hedge, like flushed away, Shrek the Third, the B movie, like even then they're still getting the, they're still putting the money down for the A-list right. casts. Like, you know, Shark Tale had fucking Will Smith at his height. It also had Jack Black, believe Angelina it or not. Angelina Jolie. Um, and it also had Flushed um, away had Hugh Jackman. So. Right, yeah. Exactly. That's the puffer for I, That's what, <laughs> I mean... Look, I love Marty Cheese. I'm not one of those people who's turned on... Like, again, I'm very excited for Killers of the Flower Moon. But at the same time, I'm like, brah, I, like, I get your point about the Marvel movies, but you are in the fucking shark tale. Let's, like, let's tone the outrage down just to smidge them. Um, uh, God, it is so weird to think back-to-back it was B-movie and Kung Fu Panda. B-movie, which literally the joke in the marketing was people being like, really? This is what Jerry Seinfeld's doing after Seinfeld end? Well, all right. I would imagine if Jerry, imagine if Jerry Seinfeld wasn't Kung Fu Panda, though. Now that would be funny. <laughs> would he be a B or would he be a different animal? He would be Master B. <laughs> See, so that's, Jean-Claude Van Damme oh, is Master Croc, which I just yes. looked up, which is pretty interesting because Master Croc is a pretty prominent character in, in a side character, but like pretty prominent in terms of like describing to Poe what happened with Lord Shen and how the city was taken. They're like, they're stupid. Um, yeah, and the final battle rules, um, like, I don't, I mean, kind of like, if I was going to say, and I don't know how you feel about this, Tom, but if there was one moment where I'd say the series peaked, it would be when Poe's just staring down all these cannons and just, like, using his newfound skill to deflect them. Like, I think everything that's good about the series could be summed up by that moment in terms of, like, the balancing of humor and seriousness, the, like, gorgeous animation, the sort of thematic weights in this sort of, like, mystical kung fu animal world. I think it kind of just gets everything. It hits all I the notes. I would say that his peak, yes. For me, that is the peak. Uh, his The peak of his power is in the third one, where he basically yes. goes Gear 5 Luffy, and he's just, like, so powerful that he's just goofy and, like... yeah. Omnipotent. The actual fight is a, more of a, a sense. Doesn't get hit once after transforming. Um, but yeah, in the second one, when he's got that that kind of balance, is so. Which is why I forget that Kung Fu Panda Three exists because you would think it's over. Like he's ascended yeah. to that. What level. else is there to learn? Right, and then of course you go into yeah. the spirit realm with with the third one and Ugwe. But I think 
maybe because the movie is so centered on his development and his his fight, his trauma, it makes it feel like the most earned and the most satisfaction from a final fight from an awakened state that he goes into. Oh yeah, and and it's serious. It's, you know, it's like yeah. he he makes jokes, but like this is this is a life or death situation. Like when Tai Lung, it's a great fight, but I find that the Tai Lung fight in the first one with Shifu is more emotional. Yeah because of how much history they have and how brutal Tai Lung is being and how yeah. their 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 philosophies are clashing during this fight, whereas when Poe fights him, it's just like... The it's more of a comedy battle. skit. Right, yeah. it's like, okay, he can't hit him, or he's like yeah. sitting on him or whatever, whereas this one is literally Poe in the water on a plank of wood fighting a fleet of battleships. And, yeah, it's anime. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Very anime. I mean... I just, honestly, like, watching this, one of my new favorite little images from a movie, and this, like, I saw it before I watched the movie, is when Poe catches the final one and starts spinning so fast it creates the illusion of the yin and yang, and Shen is literally looking at the fucking thing he saw in the prophecy that was going to kill him, and it gets whipped directly back at his face. I mean, awesome. It's, yeah, and he doesn't even, literally awesome, what a, what a perfect word to describe it. Yeah, um, I mean, that, Legends that's of the, awesomeness. Yes. Um, I think, honestly, I think that's why it took me so long to, much like Adventure Time, it's it's the lingo. Like, skadoosh, awesome, <laughs> algebra. Yeah, no, it's definitely dangerous. P, you know. And the humor in 3, like we just watched it, it's like, you really see the downfall. Like, there are characters in that that are just, their whole joke is that they're like, they just want to hug, or they're, they yeah. are like some riff on like, you know, there's like problematic characters in that they're like making fun of like fat people or people who aren't like you know fully wear surroundings all the time old people you know yeah exactly so it, I think this one is definitely my favorite because it doesn't seem to poke fun at anyone except for Poe and even yeah. the fat jokes are toned down way way more in this movie than mm. the first and the third one because at this yeah. point he's a real threat like yeah they make a few jokes, like the wolf guy makes a few jokes about how soft and cuddly he is, but like there's really no. And the stare thing when he goes up to meet Shen, but there's re... I can't yeah, think of anything else. Yeah, but that's just a recurring bit. Shen is so, him. Shen is so concerned with, this is the guy who's gonna kill me. I have to kill him. Like that he doesn't mm -hmm. even like he stops like for a second to think about it, but then like, once that first fight happens, he recognizes him as a threat and then just. Does it? He just focuses on him as the enemy, as opposed to oh, making, like yeah. jokes. Know. Yeah, in so many ways, it feels like the third one is almost like an end. Not, I wouldn't say an end zone dance, but like sort of just like a party after the emotional catharsis of the second one. Like the second yeah. one is the big serious drama of this franchise, and the third one is like more of like the light celebration. You know, we get Uwe back for a little bit. We like, you know, lock him in as like a, the dragon warrior, and then Bing Bang Boom, everything's wrapped up until the fourth one. Yeah. Um, do you have any God. big final points you want to... Right. Uh, do you have any big final points you want to make about the second one before we briefly talk about the uh, third? Um, well, I'll pass it over to Sydney because I still have to think about him because I have right. so much to say about this movie, I... but I want to articulate oh, yeah. them because I feel like I've been, have... I've been talking nonstop and I feel like Sydney has not got a word in. Yes. Okay, yeah. You know, I watching this, and maybe we should mention that I am and am ill at the moment and trying to watch any like even watching this was kind of a struggle for me um is it just me or was this color graded differently than the first one 
Hmm. I, I, I don't know for a fact, but it does seem like that. But yeah, like I was, I felt sort of weirdly distracted by that, actually, by the, like, while watching this, that I felt um, like I was almost kind of straining to sort of see a lot of this, but like, it, and maybe that is because like the th- the themes here are quite dark and brooding, but that even the stuff that happens in the daylight, like even the stuff that happens at the noodle shop seemed like everything was kind of like slightly more blue mm. uh, than in the first film, um, which I, f- I don't know. I can't think of any other examples of like sequels that, that, that adopt like a different color grading i don't know can you I mean, think I know, of anything like, like that? across the spider-verse maybe but that that was more like the, the theme uh, color because it wasn't yeah, like the there's grading. different yeah each plant or universe has its own sort of right color. right that's true yeah um i'd argue the mario movie um a little bit but that's because mario. the joke is the they're mario going from movie? brooklyn to yeah you know i did that just to trigger it to be yeah. like see i'm not crazy this is what i work with if you ever get Hey Kenny back on here, you better talk no. to him about that movie. <laughs> we oh, have to yeah. Which I don't think he's even seen, but... <laughs> yeah. Like, you were a good, safe first choice because I've heard right. you commentate and I've heard you do, like, sort of yeah, radio heard you speak stuff. Yes. That's true. And I'm like, That's this true. guy's a professional. He knows how to talk. He sounds good on me. Well, let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Let's not get too ahead of ourselves. We'll let the people decide if I sound like But, yeah, um... Yeah, I was going to say, Tom, if you have any other big thoughts you wanted to get out of from the movie, this is I would say don't let the fact that this is a kids movie dissuade you from seeing it, because (laughs) there are some real genuine or any of this, any of the series. I would highly recommend seeing the first one first, because I think it is arguably more important in development in the development of DreamWorks. And it's kind of overall themes are important for the next for the second movie. But a lot of people, when I tell them, like, some of my favorite movies and they, they're, like, monster movies or they're animated movies, even Spider-Verse, people are like, oh, I don't want to watch that. It's animated. It's not grown up. And, you know, you guys have talked about that enough on the on the podcast before about this idea. I was going to say, um, like, I'm animation so... is for the kids. It's, don't yeah. let that don't let that sway you. Right. I'm so glad that we that we're having someone like you on the show to be like echoing this naturally with with, mm. with everything that, that you've been able to uncover about. Uh, this franchise because we are constantly screaming about the value of children's programming and that like it is still a medium for storytelling and that that children are still worthy of good storytelling i mean exactly that's what that's what you would have to argue that that's what you would have to say to make an argument against animation is that children are not a worthy audience for like real deep storytelling right and and if that's really what you want to say, then then fine. But like these these kid these things that are made for children are are made by grown ups somewhere 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 mm-hmm. who have a story to tell to someone. Exactly. And so I'm so glad that 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 we've brought you here to like unearth all of these like really r- rich themes out of something like Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> Listen, if you go see if you go see Barbie, but you won't see something because it's animated for kids. Right. That's Barbie's not for kids. Barbie's not for kids, but it's (laughs) it's Barbie. Like you're gonna justify going to see a movie about a toy, but you're not gonna watch a Spider-Man movie just because it's animated. Which is insane. Yeah. Come on, dog. Like 
I think a lot about the quote from When Parasite, When Best Picture, where the director, or perhaps it was the producer, I need to double check, um, made the comment. Um, there are so many great films. There's such a great world of filmmaking you can experience if you can just get past the like the text that's two inches above the screen. Right. And I'm like, there is so much beauty. And I forgot to mention this when we were talking about let's go to the movies. Um, but I pretty recently got to see Beauty and the Beast um, in theaters again. Uh, they re-released it for the Disney 100. And I sat in the front row because I wanted the movie to kill me. I was like, this is how I want to go. This is an honorable Did you use way. the gift card? Yes, I did. Oh, amazing. Yes, of course I did. <laughs> I don't know why I just remembered birthday. it. <laughs> um, anyway, but like as I'm sitting there in the front row, I am literally brought to tears by the performances, by little subtle like romantic gestures between the two characters. By looking and seeing not only the pencil lines that we discussed with Jungle Book, but seeing where the graphite didn't touch the paper as it drew a hand. So you can see all of the little subtleties of whatever pencil they were using. And I'm like, if this is not an affirmation, just as much an affirmation of humanity as any live action movie, then what the fuck are we doing here, people? Right. Hand-drawn animation is so hard. It's so Yo. hard. Yes. Yeah. Like, you could spend a month animating what you would film a real person doing in, like, a minute. And it's crazy to me that people are just like, oh, it's not worth it. Dismissive of it, yeah. I still can't do a walk cycle. Are you serious? I mean, coming Uh, from me, I'm a huge... I can't even remember the last time I watched a show that wasn't the news that was, like, live action. mm. Like, all I watch is, like, anime or animated movies or um, cartoons or whatever. Um, But, yeah, going back to what you said, don't let the two inches of text bother you i'm a huge anime fan i'm a huge monster movie fan mm-hmm. you both know this huge godzilla fan my favorite movies are in japanese and they have subtitles it's I've, I've started watching regular movies with subtitles just because i'm so used to it like right. i'm so used to reading what i'm seeing to make sure i'm getting it because yeah. you know i'm getting old and i want to make sure i can right? still hear things I'm correctly I'm sure and I'm sometimes these characters have crazy accents and i can't understand them and, you know, I just want to make sure I'm getting the full grasp of the movie. But so, yeah, don't let the fact that this movie's animated stop you from watching it. I highly recommend it, especially if you're a fan of any sort of fighting, kung fu combat, movies, anime, yeah. combat, anything. The choreography in these movies is insane. Um, and, yeah, it's just a nice family movie. There are some jokes that are, like, they're very funny. Yeah. Nine, but there are also jokes that are, like, really highbrow, which I really right. like. Um <laughs> And yeah, uh, I think that's it for Kung Fu. It's my favorite animated movie. So there you have it, folks. Um, there it is. And what can we possibly say about Kung Fu Panda Three? Girl, I ain't never seen oh. it, so I don't know. I you would have a medical say excuse. Way more. <laughs> I have a nurse's. I have a, a doctor's note. Okay. It's still yeah. good. It's my least favorite of the three, though. I will say that. I think the villain yeah. is good. I think Uguay's inclusion is really good. I think yes, the spirit realm like is really that. good. However, there's a large portion of this movie that's just a bunch of like jokes, uh, like yeah. like kitty jokes. You know, mm-hmm. almost it every has scene the... has a kitty joke in it. Yeah, it has the problem a lot of animated sequels. Wait, have. what do you mean? Give me an example. So like, so like this was one point where in the movie where some, the Kai, who's this um, ox guy, who's like from the spirit the realm, wants to kill Uguay. Um, 
he comes to Earth because he absorbs enough souls or whatever, right? And he comes down, and some of the Furious Five go to stop him. And there's, like, the few of the Masters and two of the Furious Five members go to stop him. And the way this guy works, spoilers, is he turns people into crystals by absorbing their key. So they go to this, like, abandoned boat in the middle of the desert that he's in. And each of the Masters goes in one by one, and they all turn to stone and then, or jade. And then the last member of the Furious Five goes in to fight them, and he sees his friend turned into jade. And, like, he's fighting him, and he's, like, it's really distressing and whatever. And then he sees, like, this big looming figure come up, and it's really serious. And then he punches the the guy, the Furious Five member, and he does that stupid, like, thing where, like, like, their mouth distorts and whatever. And he, like, hits the wall. He's, like, ooh. And he's got, like, little things around his head. Oh, flanderization, I think, is the word for it. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. It's not, like, fart jokes. But it's definitely, it definitely takes some of the serious scenes and makes them not. Exactly. It takes some of the scenes and makes them less important than they should be, given the severity that this guy is essentially... What the movie wants us to believe is the most substantial threat that we've seen in the series so far. But because every interaction is riddled with these kind of like over the top reactions and like nobody really taking it seriously. Even the final fight, Poe doesn't take it seriously. At that point, it's fine though because Poe is all powerful or whatever in the spirit realm, so he doesn't have an issue. But it does make Kai seem like kind of just a punk. Like nobody to be taken, not somebody to be really worried about yeah i yeah i would say i would use the phrase flanderization it has a problem a lot of like sort of unexpected animated sequels have where it's like and honestly i'd say fucking two's very guilty of this where like characters get more and more cartoonized we just play the hits we play the bits we do the gags and right it undercut and as a result it undercuts a lot of like the actual emotional stakes because it does have good emotional stakes and i do like kai as a villain like, I think, again, one of the biggest strengths the series has is it was pocketed right in that era where we weren't getting a lot of great animated villains. So having just three no-nonsense, like, scary villains who have cool gimmicks, cool aesthetics, cool weapons, like, Lord Shen's, like, razor wings, that's rules. And this guy, Kai, is a giant ox who just has two jade swords on chains that he twirls around to the rhythm of his theme music. I'm like, that Which rules. the theme music is really good. <laughs> yeah, and like, yeah, it's like it's like Mongolian metal almost. Um, yeah, yeah, and like that rules. But then it's undercut by like, we just have all of these sections of like, here's what it means to be a panda: you eat, you yeah, roll. It's like, oh, the, we're running to see Poe. We came to save us, and they all stop and they start wheezing because they're out of breath, or you know, they're yeah. rolling because they're too big to walk, or you know, they're eating dumplings multiple handfuls at a time, or whatever. You know, you know, I almost want to give it credit for being this subtle... Because I remember when Molly went on a whole rant about pandas and their, like, use in the world. Pandas are... Oh I, almost, I yeah. almost want yeah. to give this movie credit, credit for, for doing that a being subtle... Realistic. Yeah. Well, no, it's like... Because the idea is what makes pandas special is they are in tuned with chi, so they can, like master the building blocks of life it's basically the force it's what they do in the live action mulan too and which is why i want to talk about that movie because it's fucking insane that they made mulan star wars but um 
I so I think it's funny because pandas have a disproportionate amount of power in our society as mascot animals. As this like, <laughs> if we can't save the pandas, all hope is lost. The world will end. When in reality, yeah. they are dumb, useless, mis- They're like extremely the, the evolutionary track that oh God, God forgot. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm like, and if that's what they're going for with this movie, that's hilarious. They have such little, like, they're such a charismatic species for something that has no, like, very little effect no. on, like, our lives. Like, you think about, like, bat conservation, it's so much, like, bats, like, keep insects from destroying farms. Like, if mm. we lose pandas, like, yeah, it'll suck, but, like, they don't what? So the bamboo, the the bamboo will grow, which, yeah. all right, whatever. As long as it's not invasive, like it is here, it's not going to be a huge problem. Right. But people want to save them because they're cute and cuddly. Right. Yeah, because they're neat. That's a they're whole other discussion. I guess that's the only function. If, if like, people only care about animals if they feel that they are dog-like in nature. So yeah. if that is the only thing that could get people yeah, to no give a damn about English. conservation, then that so then then keep on keeping on pandas. Exactly. Their 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 use is there. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. Like, I'm working with monkeys, you know, I can sort of convince people to care about monkeys of right. certain types, like chimps and gorillas. It's right. kind of harder to make them care about, like, right. lemurs and right. parsiers and all those weird-looking ones. Yeah. But, like, someone like Callum is trying to save, like, Things snakes with scales. Yeah. And, like, lizards and frogs right. and these other things, like, that people view yeah. as icky or whatever. Yeah. It's, like, yeah. it's tough. Mm-hmm. Snakes? Those things that got us kicked out of Eden? I don't See, there you think go. So. Right there. I know. Thank you. You're part of the problem, Carter. <laughs> I know, and I never get better. <laughs> um, do you guys have any um, closing thoughts you want to talk about this franchise uh, before we start wrapping up? Well, you know, I'll just say, like, you know, as our closing thoughts, like, thanks for um, for reintroducing me to uh, a franchise that that I truly otherwise had just forgotten about. Um, hey, and I'm probably a lot of other people have have forgotten about. I'm on the Kung Fu Panda advocate. Don't forget, we right. can't forget about the real pandas, but don't forget about the animated ones, too. The Kung Fu ones, ones too, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, yeah, I would say you made me appreciate these films a lot more, and, like, I, like, again, I realized, like, oh, yeah, this is, like, so much of what I like in storytelling and animation. Sort of, like, creative, like, I can't hate anything that has a porcupine archer who uses his quills as arrows, I that's just want an excuse to bring that up. But I'm like, oh, yeah, that's why the stories I write are like this. Right. Because I love yeah. all this stuff. And sometimes you just need an affirmation of why, like, you should like something. Exactly. Hey, listen, it's my pleasure you guys, as Disney Desk, have gotten me to watch a lot of stuff I've never seen before. So mm. it's only right. Princess and the Frog being probably the most obvious. You're welcome. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that I, is I our, listened to that episode and Erin found out and she was like, we have to watch this movie. And I'm like, all right. Um, <laughs> and then your conversation about how much Tarzan's music is bad or good, which I'm on Sydney's side, Carter, I hate to tell you, but Everybody maybe is. watch Tarzan, which is all about monkeys, which is a miracle there I haven't watched it before. So, right. um, so much I of ended it, up watching like, Spirit, too. Not that you guys talked about Spirit, but I think Carter mentioned it in a group chat. But oh, that yeah. was another experience. Fucking weird. But yeah, um, <laughs> good. go watch it. Someday we'll do a DreamWorks month and we'll cover Spirit because I'm like, what the? F- who? How did this happen? Yeah, this is there's a some, weird one. DreamWorks if, has some good ones like Megamind and like yeah, Kung oh, Panda, and then there's Dreamworks. some weird ones. They have some weird ones too, though. 
if but, if um, anything, you know, dear Disney Desk listeners, I hope this episode that that you come away with with the message. Make use of your streaming services and go rewatch something from your childhood, but exactly. through the lens of being a grown up now. And Listen, appreciate my it Christmas all over gift again. from my fiance was a Kung Fu Panda three, uh, Kung Fu Panda one, right? two, and three on DVD. So that's adorable. Do what it you happens. Like. I remember, like when I turned like twenty three, my mom got me like a Ninja Turtles cake. See, just do that's what you want. <laughs> Who cares? Exactly. <laughs> Don't let somebody Ooh. hate on your shine. Yeah. <laughs> I amen to that. Um, and why do I feel like this month is going to end with you all pinning me down and forcing me to listen to the Tarzan soundtrack as I'm like, listen, it's, basically it's not, my it's not I in my We're hands anymore. If you, have Ke- if you have Kevin on here, but we he's will alienate you. The whole time. Yeah. You better be prepared. We have, we have a fun idea mapped out with Kevin, and I feel like it's somehow going to become a Tarzan thing. Oh, he's going to so sing well. everything to you. I know the idea. Yeah. He's going to sing everything to you. It would be worse if we had Callum. Too. Callum is the real advocate around here for Tarzan. I um, don't know. I live with Kevin, and every oh. time he showered, he had the Tarzan things oh. going on in the bathroom, and he would Whoa. sing them. Yeah, I didn't like, know he that. Would sit, like, I, I heard, um, can you show me um, the, I would actually on these jump trails back. we blaze, like, in a, every day. Oh, my God. Every day. I, I, I lived in a, like, I basically lived in a retrofitted apartment that the University of New York clicked the thing, uh, bought out. I would have jumped. Well, I actually no. think they I mean, if it wasn't that, it was Christmas music in October. So you got to be, you got to oh pick your God. battles here. Boo. That guy. I'm going to have to get on this case about that later. Um, do you want to plug your socials? Do you want to plug your Twitch yeah. before we wrap Which up? Yeah, you got. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Let sure. us know where so, we can find um, you. Yeah, so on all platforms, I'm KaijuCatcher757. That's K-A-I-J-U. And then word catcher, like a baseball catcher. Um, I do streams on Twitch. I was recently doing a Pokemon Nuzlocke. Uh, who Carter is actually named my <laughs> is my rival in that. Um, <laughs> I know my so go check that story. out. Uh, it's randomized, uh, not randomized. It's um Pokemon Infinite Fusion. So crazy fusions there. I'm gonna be streaming some more games uh, soon. Um, as Carter mentioned at the top, I'm gonna be doing some stuff with Caspod um, on their channel. Um, I recently did a recording with Kevin where we commented on uh, Smash Bros. Um, for the fantasy draft so that'll mm-hmm. probably be coming up soon and yeah excited for the future um go subscribe to these guys on my patreon i can vouch for it it's worth it absolutely um yeah um i i was as part of my week on mondays i was i'm like all right i gotta start i gotta listen to disney desk and now i i've been on the disney desk so now i get now yeah. I can go back and catch up on what I missed. Right. <laughs> exactly. But uh, yeah, you, it was a Tom. pleasure having ha- being on here. It was great. Thanks, Thank you Tom. so much. Thank you for yeah. letting me rant about my my movie. <laughs> yeah. And thank you. And until we're back in the valley dishing out righteous fists of justice, I'm Carter. And I'm Sydney. I'm Tom. Do I say it like that? Yeah. yeah. I don't want to cut your uh, outro. (laughs) Have a magical day. And thanks for listening. Bye. The Disney Desk is brought to you by Carter and Sydney. Follow us on Twitter at Disney Desk for the latest updates about the show. Want more of the most magical podcast on Earth? The Disney Desk is now on Patreon. For exclusive weekly bonus content from us, go to patreon.com slash Disney Desk. 
and become a patron for as little as $3 a month. Thank you. Um, does anyone need to take a break before we dive in? I would like to blow my nose, and then I will be okay. ready to resume. I was going to make a joke about leaving my Reese's Pieces in the thing, but... Too far oh, you can say that when we to... start in. <laughs> no, it's too bad. Well, you can no, say that. Don't worry. <laughs> nah, bro, I got too much to say about... <laughs> yes, we gotta I got get too much to business. Say. Do you say oh. Reese's Pieces, or... Reese's Pieces, or Reese's Pieces? <laughs> I recently I got in a fight with somebody. I kind of go all over the place with it. I, I always say Reese's cup, not Reese's. Oh, oh, you're talking about cups, not the pieces. No, I'm saying I think, no, I'm talking about pieces, but I think my brain hears oh. Reese's mm. pieces because I'm saying I say Reese's cups because Reese's cups oh. are my favorite candy. Gotcha. So I say that a lot, and I'm like Reese's pieces. Oh, you know I, what I see, mean? I see, I see. Plus, I, I don't understand, because, like, Reese's is fine, but Pieces isn't a word. It's no. Pieces. It's not. So, it's and just, that's not, it's not it's written cute. like that on the branding. It's cute. It is. But Reese's also rhymes with Pieces, so mm -hmm. I don't see the need to add an I sound effect. But it's not, but but I guess, like, the word is Reese's, not Reese's. That's true. I don't know. Blame it on my, blame it on my name. <laughs> it's a tri-state. Anyway, enough politics for one day. <laughs> we just uh, talked right. about the Anna Bomb and our most fervent and... discussion about Reese's Pieces. Christ on crackers. Um, all right, I will, uh, I'll cue us in. Okay. Uh,